All right, brothers and sisters, hopefully throughout the day you've had some questions that have come to your mind and heart that you want to ask. Maybe to go down one of those, uh, take a flashlight down one of those caverns or talk more about the process of proactively or reactively applying the gospel to your heart. So if you have a question, uh, Jody's going to be on one side of the room. I'm going to be on the other side. Stand up where you're at. We'll come to you so you can ask a question so we can record both the questions and the answers for people to listen to later. So, who has a question? Here, we have a question right here. Ben wanted to ask it. I think you all looked in my head, but uh, <laughs> the thing where you said, you know, when something upsets you or something, finding out why. Well, I found out why. How do I stop being upset by it? Great question. Great question. Only to throw gas on that, and then I'm going to let Tim answer it, so I'm giving you just a second. Okay. Um, there was uh, one quote that is helpful for me um, that I wanted to say was, when you have a $100 reaction to a $10 problem, you got to figure out where the other $90 is coming from. And it's just like, why do I keep getting inflamed by the same things over and over again? And I think uh, one, one brother said, um, if your reaction is hysterical, it's probably historical. Which means if you've just gone ape crazy over something, like that just really set you off, you need to kind of do a little bit of tracing in that why section. You know why, and you're just like, still keeps coming. So now Tim is going to solve it. See, that's the benefit of talking quickly first. Go. Well, I mean, I mean something that I like to think. So you've, you're talking about upset. I use this with anxiety. I use this with depression, with, with a lot of these different things. Is What happens is you get upset about something, and you don't want to be upset about it. And you've, like, prayed to God 100 times, help this not to upset me anymore. And so then when it upsets you, all of a sudden you're like, why on earth – like, God, I ask you that this won't upset me anymore. I talked to you about that. I begged you. You don't want me to be upset. I don't want to be upset. So why am I upset? Like, why? Like, what on earth is going on? Like, seriously. Like, I mean, that's, and, and here's the thing. Like, here's, it helps to understand. So then what happens is it spirals us. Because now you're upset at yourself for being upset at something that you told yourself you weren't going to be upset about anymore, <laughs> and you're upset at God that he didn't stop you from being upset because you even asked him not to let you be upset. And you see how it like, so now all of a sudden, half of your upset is not about the issue anymore. Half of your upset is at yourself for being upset in the first place. And I can even hear in your question, there's like frustration at being upset at something that you don't think should still upset you. So here's what here's can be helpful. And you can see like 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 with anxiety, like with Sean waking up in the middle of the night. A lot of times what happens is you don't want to be anxious, you feel anxious, you ask God to take your anxiety away, and then as soon as you start feeling anxious all the way, all of a sudden it becomes a spiral because now you're anxious that you're anxious and you're upset that you're anxious and you're frustrated and 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 so and you can see how like those secondary and third feelings are actually distancing ourselves from God. So especially when you've asked God to take something away and then you have it again, it's almost like your first reaction then is, 
is it distances you from God because now some of your frustration is at God because you, you, you feel like you can't control being upset and he's upset at you for being upset and so you're really, and, and so here's, here's something that, that helps, a couple of things. One, it's just recognizing what is, like, what is God trying to do? What is the purpose of my life? What does God want from me? And one of the things that's helpful is just to recognize what God is calling all of us to is dependence. Like that's what he wants from us. He wants dependence. Now, you and I, we don't want dependence. We want independence, you see? And so one of the beauties of not being upset is that you can then go through the rest of your life independent. I don't need God if I'm not upset, but you see what I'm saying? And so like our prayer to not be upset is a prayer that God often comes and says, actually, I'm fine with you being upset by that. It's how you respond to your being upset that I'm concerned about. Because I want you to take your upset to me the way that Sean kind of talked about it. And I want your upset to slow you down and to help remind you, I need God to help me with my being upset. And we often think like we need God to help us before the emotion comes. And then when he allows the emotion to come, we get frustrated. And instead, I think, taking a step back and saying, I may be upset. This thing may make me upset for the rest of my life every time it happens. What can I do to make sure that I'm responding from 15 minutes down to three minutes, down to, that I'm taking it to God? And my goal is to take it to God sooner than the last time I got upset. Not to not be upset. Like, like, so you even take away the goal. It's not, it's not so much about not being upset. It's about how do I respond to being upset. Because a lot of these emotions, like when you make depression or anxiety sinful, or even when you make being upset, feeling upset sinful, then the feeling upset leads to shame. The shame leads to frustration and distance from God. The frustration and distance from God leads to more upset with less help. Instead of seeing it as weakness, where God is saying like, no, I'm not going to take away that thorn in the flesh. Upset may be your thorn in the flesh. But my grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in your upsetness. Right. If you'll just depend upon me in it, if you'll just go to me in it, if you'll just cling to me in it. Uh, we talk about the, the, so So the first thing we talk about, like with anxiety, depression, upsetness, is trying to alleviate the upsetness that comes from the presence of the emotion. So you start with just that. So like the depression, half of your depression comes because you start to feel depressed. Like you, you feel depressed. You wake up one morning like Sean and you just feel depressed and you just now are just overwhelmed with despair at your depression. You're, 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 you're anxious because you're feeling anxious. And so, and so that's the first to alleviate. And you alleviate that with a gourd that isn't about you never being anxious, never being depressed, or never being upset, but a God who wants to be with you in it. And so he wants you, this is like, this is, an op, this is a trial for him to be with you in. Um, and, and even when it crosses the line into sinfulness, 
the the goal is like, like of course we want to avoid sin but 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 the goal when we the, for our past sins our goal isn't avoidance our goal is confession you know avoiding past sins is is it's like denial right you know they're past they're done you can't avoid them they're done so it's like how do i respond i repent i receive his grace I, you know and 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 we see like we like to talk about like a cycle of addiction like upsetness is like this just this habitual learned behavior this happens, and this is where I end up. And what we like to do is just slow it down and just look for all the exit ramps. And, 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 and instead of being so upset that you got on the road in the first place, you're just like, what does it look like to exit here? What does it look like to exit here? What does it look like? And, and just being thankful to God that, look it, I'm not, I didn't end up where I ended up last time. Like, I, like, like I, I got off the upset. I got upset, but I didn't say anything I regret. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? Instead of being like frustrated, like why am I still upset about this? And you're frustrated. And one of the things we talk about is we reflect, you know, shame people shame, love people love. We reflect what we believe about God. And so when we're, when we're upset at the fact that we're still upset and when we're frustrated with our upsetness, one of the reasons we're frustrated with being upset is because we genuinely believe that God is frustrated with us, that this is still making us upset after all this time and after all this grace and after all the good things in our life, this stupid little thing keeps making me upset and God must think I'm pathetic. We respond the way we feel. We reflect what we believe about God. And so instead, we're upset, and we say, no, my God is not like that. My God is for me. He's with me. He loves me. He's in control. He's going to restore whatever it is that I lost, whatever the why is. Then, you know, you dig into that why, and you find those promises that fight the why. I'm upset because I lost something that I'm afraid I'm never going to get back. You know, that I'm upset because somebody treated me unfairly. I'm upset, like, and we just, like, like, think about, like, how many times have I treated God unfairly and how has he responded to me? But when we think he's upset with us about being upset, then, then there's no freedom from it. We're living for justification instead of from it. And so instead, like, he loves me. He's with me. He's enough. I can take a breath. I don't have to be upset. And now I can thank him for... God, thank you that I didn't say anything I regret. Or we did say something we regret, and we apologize. Like, That's it's right. been, like, there's just the craziest freedom. And just what I talked about, like that shame bell, there's the craziest freedom in just saying you're sorry. Amen. And there is, like, like you might think, if you have kids or grandkids, you might think, like, okay, like, or, or like the people in your life, you're like, the best example that I can be is by being perfect. But man, what is God calling us to? He's calling us to dependence. The greatest thing you can show your kids or your grandkids is that you need God. Amen. And when you repent, what you're doing is you're pointing them away from you and to God. And you're saying, I screw up too. I still get upset. But it's crazy because I have a God that forgives me. And I'm sorry I got upset. And it's like a lifelong battle for me. And I beg God to take it away and it still happens. But I'm realizing that God is not upset about my upsetness. Mm -hmm. But he loves me. 
and he's with me. And so I'm asking if you'll forgive me. And I'm telling you, I don't want to be this person. And I'm going to try to do better. And I'm still going to fail. But if you'll tell me when I mess up, I'm going to do my best to just run to God and find his forgiveness and to tell you I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the pain that my upset has caused you. And, and you know, if it's a problem that's been your life long and, and you know, and you got kids and it's impacted, you say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was upset. I was an upset mom. And there's a lot of, a lot of pain that I caused you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. And I just want you to know that like I'm finding healing in the forgiveness of my God for my sins. And I, I want you to find healing for the stuff that I did that I hurt you. I can't fix it. I can only be sorry, but your God can fix it. And he loves you. And he's not like me. <laughs> In every way that I failed you, he's not like me. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Hmm. I told you uh, Tim wanted to answer that. Um, a couple of things, as he was saying, a major journey for me was... Um, Emotions are not sinful. They are a gift. You've got to get there. Anxiety is the right response to you are not God. You just can't stay there. I trust that God, you are God and I'm not. Anger is the right response to injustice. It's just you want to be about his justice and not yours. Sadness is the right response to a broken world, or our Savior would not have cried when his friend Lazarus died. It's the right response. The question is, what do we do with it? And that's where I feel like where Tim was pressing us. Tim Keller has a sermon on anger, which was really helpful, and he says it's not no anger, it's not blow anger, it's slow anger. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. No anger would be an improper response to injustice. Blowing up anger is not, it's a loss of self-control and not a reflection of our gut. There's a sense of slow to anger allows you to kind of process, am I righteous about the right things or is this about me rather than the glory of God? So motions are not sinful. They're a gift and I think that has to be a crucial thing. And the other thing I just want to underscore, say amen to, is the difference between weakness and sin. That we are weak, and where we are weak, we can share this and say, God, you're my strength. And I, I just, that category is just really helpful to not kind of carry what he was saying, all the shame for this repeat sense of anxiety, sadness, uh, whatever emotion comes. But there's more, more to be said. Go ahead. Just one more thing. I, like I, I share with people that come to me with habitual struggles, like a struggle that they want to be done with. And I just say, I say, listen, like the Christian life is a battle, which means if you're not fighting a habitual struggle, you're losing. If you don't know what you're fighting, if you don't have something that you could ask that question for, then you're just losing whatever it is that you are doing. You're, you're just not aware of it. Because the whole Christian life is a battle. And sometimes God gives us victory over a battle, but all that means is that it just moves to another place. (laughs) 
And so it is a good thing to know your battle. Amen. And you want to fight it, and you'd love to have victory over it, but victory over it wouldn't mean smooth sailing. It would just mean now it's a struggle with worry, you know, or a struggle with something else that you become aware of. And that, that's great to move on. But being aware of your battle, like that's your fight. And so now what does it look like to fight this? And, and dependence is the goal. And so God isn't going to, he's not going to take away all of your temptations and all of your struggles and even all of your failures. Like, those are opportunities to turn to him and Amen. depend upon him. Amen. Um, I really, I think, in the last couple of years have been able to identify how much I've lived with kind of a shameful mindset throughout my, like, college, high school through my 20s and only in the last couple of years, maybe even the last year or two, I've been able to start thinking about it. Um, I think early on as a kind of young adult, I kind of had that mindset of um, like the parable of like the, um, I guess it's the minas or when like he gives different things. And oftentimes I felt like the Lord gave me 10 when I was 21 and I blew it and now I only have one. Um, and it's like, I think I'm still like often replaying that sort of like low light reel, like yeah. in the back of my mind. And you guys brought up some like, um, disciplines that you guys do, like the scripture acronym and things like that. But what are some other things maybe that you guys have done whenever you do look at your past and things you've, you've, you've blown, um, or just discouragements that you may have on a daily basis? Cause there are times where I feel like sins and I know I've been confessed and forgiven, I can just be picked up and drop right back in it like I'm, it just happened that moment, and it could be years ago. Um, so like whenever you have those types of feelings or you're wishing you could go back 10 years and start over, um, how do you, how, how does the gospel, how does God's word like bring you through that? Amen. Wow, that's a, that's a great question. First of all, to even articulate it is a humble question. Um, and I just I want to say on the front end, I, this is this is a great way to be the church when you're sitting in a home in a for a community group or small group and you're just like a space where you can ask a question like that, even if you don't have an answer. That's that's gospel culture and to be able to then draw near rather than to kind of guilt and shame. There's just this sense of such a thankfulness for your question. And I do trust that God will give uh, grace there. One thing that comes to mind that I would love for Tim to weigh in is just, at least in my own journey, I mean, the word that comes to mind is regret. It's regret. Like, I wish it would have been different. Either by my actions or other people's actions. It's just the past is uh, it's painful. But um, for me, the temptation in that moment is like, I've blown it, and basically what I'm saying is the love of God was conditioned upon my ability to perform rightly. And because I didn't, I have the image of the, of the, of the low stream. And so, at least for me, it is the rehearsing of His with me, His for me, His supply has not diminished because of the past. 
but his love is an ever-flowing stream in the present. And so I, um, Paul says, it's this, Pastor John uh, Piper helped with this. You know, there are passages in the Bible where it talks about to remember your past and then to forget your past. Ephesians chapter 2, he says, you once were like this. And he says, remember, you were like this, but now you are like this. And then in Philippians chapter 3, he says, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I move on towards the upper call in Christ Jesus. And the phrase that Pastor John used that was so helpful for me is he was like, forget the past to the degree that it hurts your faith and remember the past to the degree that it strengthens your faith. And so there is, I'm not going to address the issue of, but I can't forget it, right? (laughs) I'm struggling to forget it. I get that. But at minimum, I think it's maybe a helpful grid to at least deal with the regret. His well has not run dry, and there is a category to not keep going back there. Sometimes I feel like it is almost a form of spiritual cutting, where by hurting ourselves, it's a way that we can become more like like we can pay the price for our own actions if i just keep going back to all the mess then it's just like man i I messed up i'm really sorry no i'm really sorry again i'm really sorry again and we somehow get this delight of taking the place that jesus has already taken and so it's been paid for and he is with us the supply is full remember to the degree that it helps your faith forget to the degree that it hurts and let's walk forward in love so tim will have other helpful things but that's what comes to mind and I, I think those categories, I, I think um, just recognizing like the sins of the past. I talk about this. So what is, what is the goal of life? What is the call of life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. Love your, your neighbor. So love, right? It's the sum of all the commandments, the calls to love. And the Bible actually teaches us something crazy. It teaches us that the fuel, one of the primary fuels for the fire of our love for God is forgiven sin. Those who are forgiven much love much. You, you, got, a, you got a story of a Pharisee who thinks he had ten minas and he still has them, right? And then you've got a sinful woman that's completely wasted her life. And she's down at his feet and she's just weeping. And it's because she feels like and believes and is receiving the forgiveness of God for her past. And it's overwhelming her. And he's like, the, the, wherever the gospels preach, this woman's story is going to be known. Like She is the picture of discipleship. That's what it looks like to be a disciple. That's what passionate, true worship is. And so we, we want, you know, taking what Sean says, like the, the battle is like, Remembering your sin, you can't not forget it, right? So remembering your sin, Satan wants the memory of your sin to hurt you, and God wants the memory of your sin to help you. Amen. And so you know how? How does it hurt me? How does it help me? It, it hurts me when I try to make up for it. It hurts me when I think that I've lost something that I can never get back again. It hurts me when... Uh, when I, I, you know, like when I, when it paralyzes me, it helps me when I simply receive God's forgiveness for it. And so I think the two ways that you go wrong with it is beating yourself up and trying to atone for it yourself, and you can't, and trying to make up for it 
through your future, through your effort, and through your work. And I, I have a question I've started asking people, and, and one of the things I've just come to realize is that grace is a word we throw around like crazy, but very few of us have any concept of what grace means, and the ones of us that do recognize that it's actually one of the hardest things in the whole world to receive. And then most of the way that people talk about grace, it's like it's a gift, it's sweet, it's a, this awesome thing. You know, it's like, oh, man, you, you give him grace. Can I have grace? But anybody that really knows grace knows there's nothing harder in the world than receiving grace. Uh, and I ask people sometimes, I say, has there ever been a time in your life that you messed up so bad that you couldn't fix it? And, like, your only hope was just to sit there and get grace. Like, either you get grace or you get nothing. Either you get grace or, in other words, you lost nine minas. You either never get them and you live the rest of your life with one, or you get the nine back by grace. And, or you try like crazy to work and get the nine back and maybe someday you, you, you try to get one or two of them back. Those are your options. You see what I'm saying? And if you can learn to receive those nine back by grace, it's not saying you never lost them. It's not, it's not denying the, the, the depth of it. It's looking at the cross and saying, that's what I deserve, but it's not me on it. And so then he gives you, so instead of thinking regret that I've lost nine minas, think the riches of your grace have restored all that I've lost and will restore. And, and that, that, that idea of restoration has been so big for me lately. Like everything good in life that we have lost, through our own sin or through the sin of others, will be restored. Like the giver, like, the, you know, that, that verse, he restores the years, the locusts have eaten. Like it, and so, like, how does he restore it? He restores it by using it to fuel your love and dependence upon him. And so, in as much as it makes you want to try harder and do better, and in as much as it makes you want to hide and in much, in much as it paralyzes you, then it's unhelpful. But in as much as you just sit there, Satan just keeps bringing you back, throwing you in those moments, and you just sit there and you say, God, have mercy on me. I receive your love for this room. I receive your light in this room. Thank you. Thank you. I can't fix it, so thank you for doing that for me. And all of a sudden, that's going to fuel your love because that's just a God that you want to follow. And, 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 and just, 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 just that sitting and receiving mm-hmm. that Mary at the feet of Jesus and not, not to Martha. And, and that dependence upon him. That's what we would just want to fight to be. And it's, it's the hardest and scariest place to be. But when you just sit there, you find it like sweet and precious and beautiful. And that's why I call it the broken place where grace dwells. And you just go there, and you just sit there and, uh, and receive it. And that's how I would fight those things. All those other things are just lies. And so you fight the lies, and you f- find the truths of God's word that help you fight them. And find a few people in your life that you can tell. Like, like you're saying, you, you express it. Like expressing it, like even your question, like Sean said, this is the place that shame comes to die. Like you, you brought it into the light. Have people that you share your story, your shame story with, that then remind you of God's love for you. That's right. And, and remind you of his forgiveness. And in those moments, it dies. That's right. You know, man. That's so good.
Yeah, the point of the Mena passage was not the ten or the five. The point was being faithful to the master. And just the, the beautiful image of grace will restore. Sometimes I think about the restoration as getting back everything that I feel like I lost. And that will come in one way, shape, or form at the end because you'll be fully satisfied. But I think the joy of moving forward is you just you get to be at his feet. Yeah. And the other thing that came to my mind was that with the issue of regret, it's just like forgiveness. So what does it mean when you say you forgive somebody? Forgive and forget, right? Forgive and forget. Well, if you're like me, that's not what it is. Like, it's forgive and then remember again. And then what do you do when it comes back to your brain? The point is, I will choose to actively not hold this against you when it comes back up to my mind. Regret would be the same way. I will choose when it comes back up to my brain, and it might again, to go through everything that Tim just said. I'm going to receive grace in this moment. I'm going to believe your word over this moment more than my thoughts and my words. So it's, it's, that's the active part, the Romans 15, 13, continuing to believe, this, this constant exercising those spiritual muscles. So, I, uh, yeah, thanks, Tim. That's helpful. A couple of lines that I just love. So Psalm 25 would just be one that I would just camp in, you know, just like, according to your steadfast love, remember me. Remember not the sins of my youth. And... There's a line, I can't remember it. I think I just used it in a couple sermons ago. I, I just really, I liked it. Just this idea that like, uh, like we are not to be, like, like, like don't be a per like fight against being a person. Or like you do not need to, maybe I'll say it this way, you do not need to remember things that your God has promised to forget. Like your memory doesn't have to be better than his. And so every time you remember them, what you remember is that your God's forgotten them. Because remember, it's exactly like the upset. Whatever you believe, like the reason you're struggling with remembering them is because you think your God remembers them. And when you're down in your shame, your shame is telling you that God remembers them. And God's word says he doesn't remember them. And so when you do remember them, and then you start to think that God remembers them, then you fight to remember your God has forgotten them. And just be like, God, like, who are you that you could forget these things that, that, that I can't even forget? You know what I'm saying? Like, how amazing are you? Like, like, they're against you, and you forget them. They were for me, and I still cling to them. Like, like thank you for forgetting them. So, so, like, even there, you're remembering your sin, and then you remember by contrast. You say, my God is not like that. Because you don't remember that. And you don't think about that. When you see me, that's not how you see me. Holy and blameless in your sight, without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. It defies your imagination. Like you, like you in those bad moments, you're like, I can't picture myself like that. I just see myself like Joshua, the high priest, in filthy garments with Satan right next to me, accusing me. That's what I think when I think about myself. You just say, but you, holy and blameless in your sight. Take off the clothes. Isn't this the Lord rebuke you, Satan? Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? I don't see you that way. Clothe them in my righteousness. 
You know a cool passage? I just love this. It's crazy. We, we can end with this. It's just, I just think about this sometimes. It's a little bit less for yours. It's more like when people don't like me, I think this. But I think it could be cool when you don't like you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, so you, just, you just use this against you. I use it against other people. So, uh, so, so, so just Revelation chapter 3. And it's like... Uh, it's not even in chapter 3, probably. It's, maybe, it's in chapter 2, maybe. But it's Jesus to one of the churches, okay? And, uh, and he's like, he's, these people are just, they're against him. And they're just they're saying bad things about him. They're, they're, they're the synagogue of Satan. They're making accusations, things that aren't true. That's what you're doing to yourself. You see what I'm saying? And so sometimes, we, like the Bible, we speak to ourselves. We speak to other people in our heads, but we also soul, you know. Uh, so this is what you say to yourself. Jesus says, one day I will make those people come and they will bow at your feet and they will know. And in my mind, I like to say, I, you know, I'm thinking like, they'll know that I was right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll know that this. He says, no. One day I will make those people come and they will bow at your feet and they will know that I have loved you. And so you tell that part of you. It's helpful to know that there's two parts of you. And so you speak to that part of you. And you say to that part of you that's full of shame and full of regret. And you say, self, one day you will come and you will bow at my feet. And you will know then just how much my Savior loves me. Amen. I won't believe your lies anymore. I am and one day you will know. You keep coming back at me. You keep telling me lies. You just never seem to learn. But one day you will learn. One day your voice will be shut forever. And I will never again feel these accusations, these fears, these shame. Never again. For you will bow at my feet and you will know that my Savior loves me. And the spirit within me right now knows that. And he cries, Abba, Father, beloved Son. And he is speaking to that part of myself and to Satan and to any other voice that comes and tries to remind you of your failures. It's all true, but I'm still loved. Amen. You know, amen. 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 Pastor Lance, come up. As he's coming, I had felt um, this morning as I was preparing some just to encourage you um, how thankful to God I am for your pastors and your pastoral team. They love you. They pray for you. They sacrifice for you. And I just couldn't be more encouraged, not only by their friendship, but by their leadership, their love for Christ, and their love for you. And so make their ministry a joy and love them and honor them because I know their desire is to point you to a Savior and to constantly honor and love you. So I'm thankful to God for them, and uh, they're not going to say that, so I get the privilege to say it. Um, and they didn't pay me to do that. That was not, you know, they had no clue I was going to say that. But um, I am thankful to God for all of you and um, for this church. It's great to be a part of a network of churches that... Um, where I can just be so encouraged by the expression of Christ here in this place. And uh, yeah, you are part of something beyond yourself, and it is great and glorious. So I'm thankful to God for you guys. And uh, Lance, take us home because we've just run over a little bit.
thank them for uh, for being with us today, uh, shepherding our hearts. Felt like that was just this was just time that the Lord shepherded us through them, and so. Uh, this network always feels like an embarrassing amount of riches that the Lord gives to us through brothers like this. But the thing I love about it is that whatever we receive from them, it, it's out of the bounty of the love of Jesus. And uh, they keep pointing our eyes back to Jesus, our gracious and loving Savior. And so I hope that you felt shepherded today on how the gospel can can be a balm to your own soul. But I pray as we leave here today that the people that weren't here, the brothers and sisters in our church, uh, people even in our city that don't know Jesus, that we can apply that same good news of the gospel that saves us and sustains us and covers our shame in the darkest moments and uh, speaks good news to our hearts when we are doubting ourselves, or we're upset, or we're anxious, or we're depressed, uh, that we have more than enough, not in ourselves, but we have more than enough in our Savior Jesus. So I'm going to close this in prayer that the Lord would help us in that. Father, thank you for these dear brothers. And Lord, I thank you that through them I feel so loved by you today. Thinking about what Sean said earlier, Father, we, we thank you that we have as much love, as much love from you, the Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit today as you had for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. And as you will have for us 10 trillion years from now as we're gathered forever forgiven, forever loved, for, forever in the favor of you because of all that you've given to us in your son. So Lord, I pray that you continue to comfort our hearts and speak to our hearts these good new, the good news of the gospel. Lord, uh, help us uh, own, Lord, what's going on in our heart and to examine it and to take it to the cross and to walk by faith. And Lord, I pray that as you do that in our own hearts, that we, Lord, would be instruments in your hands, that we might do it in our other brothers and sisters' hearts, that this church might be a place where the gospel is richly blessing us, not as old news that saved us long, long ago, but as the good news that saves and satisfies us today and all the days to come. Lord, would you do that for your great glory and for our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.